Thanks for joining us today. Our church exists to give everyone, everywhere, every reason to know Jesus. You can learn more by connecting with us on Facebook at Journey Fellowship Denton. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy today's message. Chapter 1. How many of you have uh, seen the, uh, the movie uh, and you watch it just about annually? Uh, it's a Wonderful Life. How many of you have seen it? How many, let's, let's do this. How many of you have not seen that movie? It's a Wonderful Life. You know, Jimmy Stewart, you know, with him. That wasn't too bad, was it? Quit laughing, Josh. You know that was pretty good. You haven't seen it? Yeah, he's just too scared to raise his hand. Uh, he hasn't seen Well, it's about a guy named George Bailey. It's back in 1946, uh, a uh, Frank Capra's classic movie. And it's set to a guy that, that who's whose father untime, is untimely death, forces him to not go to college, and he has to stay and run the family business. And, you know, he's a good guy. George is, you know, faithful to his job, loves the people of the town. But uh, some bad things happen through the course of event. Uh, the business begins to kind of, you know, go south, and, and there's a crook, Mr. Potter. He's in town, and he kind of destroys everybody. He's greedy and an old Scroogey guy. And George, on Christmas Eve begins to think what life would be like without him. If he had never been born, because he had messed up his life, he'd messed up the business, he'd messed up everybody else's life, and so he's running down the street, the snow is falling, and he's thinking about actually taking his own life, and it's Christmas Eve. And then all of a sudden, a guardian angel appears, and we all know who that was. His name was Clarence, and he comes, and he begins to talk to George, and he begins to tell George, hey, look, George, let me just show you what life would be like without you. What Christmas would be like without you? What things would be like if you weren't even around, if you didn't even exist, if you had never been born? And that was the question. And through the course of, of just some things, George begins to see how important his life has been, and not just uh, upon everybody else, but how important his life is uh, to the community around him. And this morning, I want to talk to you not just about what if George Bailey had never been born, but I want to ask the question, what if Jesus had never been born? What if Jesus had never been? What if Jesus had never come? Galatians chapter four, verse four, the scripture says this. Paul says, but when the fullness of the time had come, which means there was a perfect time that Jesus came. God, in his foreknowledge, understood the perfect time to send Jesus. Some people have think, why didn't Jesus come in like 2020? Because that would have been a really good year for him to come, right? We got all this going on. Hey, there's a baby that's been born. Drive your car toward the star. You know, you can see him. Jesus came at the fullness of the perfect time, the, the perfect time God instituted, the fullness of time. God sent forth his son, the scripture says, born of a woman, born under the law, which means that he was born during a time that things were expected born not just only under the law of the Roman government, but he was born under the law of sin because sin was the law of the day. It was the human, it, it is the, the only law that humans have, have had to abide by ever since Adam and Eve in the garden, the law of sin. He was born under that law. Although he was sinless, he was born under that law. Verse 5 says he was born to redeem those who were under that law that we might receive adoptions as sons. What would have it been like if Jesus had never been born? What it would have been like? So I'm going to do two things this morning. I'm going to show you just real quickly how 
how Jesus' birth has changed the world around us. And then finally, I'm going to just conclude and show you how Jesus' birth has changed the world in us. If you look at the world right now, and you just begin to consider all of the things that Jesus has impacted, his birth impacted, and what Christianity has done through the world, let me just tell you, it's immeasurable. It's immeasurable what the effect of Jesus' influence upon the world, and there are some concrete ways to measure that. First of all, I want you to just consider Christ's impact. Consider Jesus' impact on the value of human life. On the value of human life, at one time a French engineer uh, had a bunch of students and he was teaching this class and he said, he proposed them this question. He said, what is the most important thing to come out of a mine? He was a geologist and he was teaching his students. He said, what's the most important thing to come out of a mine? And of course, the students' hands are going up. Gold, of course. And then another said, no, not gold. Diamonds, because it takes so long for them to form. And the other one said, no, those are just jewels. It, coal is the most important thing to come out of the mine. The French, that French uh, teacher looked at his students. He said, no, you've all got it wrong. The most important thing to come out of a mine is the miner." And the value of human life was instilled into that class. The view of human life, because Jesus was born, has been embraced where the gospel of Jesus has been preached. The value of life has changed. Prior to the birth of Jesus, the, the, look and the, the view of life was extremely cheap. Life wasn't as important in the ancients and, and, and years past, even decades ago, Life was extremely cheap. Today, our culture, uh, there's cultures in the world that don't have the gospel, and because of that, they don't view life the same way that most people who have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ preached because the value of life doesn't mean as much to them as it does to those who have been impacted by the gospel and those who know Jesus Christ. You see, when Jesus came into the world, he gave humans, he gave humanity a new perspective. He gave us a, a better outlook on the value of what life truly is. In the ancient world, women and children had no rights. Babies were abandoned on the street. They were just left on the street and people walked away from them like, like animals. Women were treated as objects of sexual abuse. Slavery was rampant. As a matter of fact, half of the Roman Empire were slaves. They, the value of humans was, was a commodity. It was, it was nothing more than something that you would buy at a store. And because, but because of the birth of Jesus Christ and the impact of the gospel, life and its value began to change. In our world today, we still have to, and, and must deal with the, the entire problem of abortion, where life is not valued. And there is a direct correlation, I'll just tell you, there's a direct correlation between the decline of Christian values and the understanding of the biblical gospel and the decline in the value of human life. Can somebody say amen? It's just true. Where there is a lack of Christ, where there is a lack of gospel, there is also a lack of human life and value of it. So when Jesus was born, what he did in that concrete, measurable way, he impacted the value that we have on human life. The second thing that, that you can look at measurably just in our world today is Jesus impacted education in the world. He impacted education. At the proper time, Jesus came. He came as a, as a child. He, was, he, he came to redeem us because, you see, Every time you drive by a school, whether it's private or public, 
whether it's religious or secular, that should remind you of the birth of Jesus. Some of you, it reminds you of the time you spent in the principal's office. It should remind you of the birth of Jesus. Now, that's not to say that every school is Christian because we know that that's mostly not true. But the fact is, is that the phenomenon of education to the masses has its roots in Christianity. I don't know if you knew that or not. Now, I'm not saying that there was no education before Christianity, but what education there was before Christ came was only for the elite people who were able to take it and to get it. But as far as people like us, as far as just regular Joes like myself, education was not an option. But Christianity gave rise to the concept of everyone being educated. This this phenomenon took place whole even in the universities and the schools. I mean, you look at you look at the, the universities around the world, the Cambridges and the Oxfords and the Harvards and the Yales and, and the Princetons, all of them were founded with one purpose, and that was to to uh, to teach the understanding of not just education, but of religious foundations. They were all started. Now, they have gone so far away from those purposes and foundations now. But we see the effect of Christ upon education and education to the masses of people. And do you know why? For many, many, many centuries, the people of God have been called the people of the book. I don't know if you knew that. But throughout history, people have, the Christians have been known as people of the book. Why? What book are they talking about? Well, they're talking about this book right here. And what happens is one writer, he writes this, he says, From its beginning, the religion of the Bible has gone hand in hand with teaching. Christianity is par excellence in teaching religion, and the story of its growth is largely an educational one. As Christianity spread, patterns of more formal education develop what was the point it's because in order to teach people the gospel the best way to do that is to give them a written record of what the gospel was and the only way that a written record is going to help you is you have to be able to read you need to be able to write you need to be able to understand and so christ's birth gave a host to all of those things so Not only was the gospel being spread, but masses of people, the poor and and the uneducated and the ignorant, were able to to receive an education that helped them not only know God, but have a fundamental, uh, prosperous life. We support a ministry. We support missionaries, Wycliffe Bible translators. Their main goal is to translate Scripture into the languages of, of the world and teach people who are primarily illiterate who may not read the bible you know at once once upon a time in american history the first book that people read and learned how to read with was this I know that sounds so far-fetched, it sounds like a dream, but the first book, the book that people learned to read with used to be, in America, the Bible. And because Jesus was born, it's had an impact because, you see, when we begin to educate as Christians, as 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 the Christian movement 
began to move around the world, especially during the Reformation, we realized that the survival of the church and the flourishment and the widespread uh, literacy of, of people was necessary because instead of just one person, the Pope in Rome being able to tell people what the Scripture says, people were able to read what the Scripture says for themselves and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to them. Had Jesus not been born... Most of the world would not just be in the darkness of sin, but they'd still be in the darkness of ignorance and illiteracy. But Jesus was born. Jesus also had an impact on science. He impacted not just education. He not only impacted the value of human life, he impacted science. And there's been, you know, today this fierce opposition. Many people think that scientists are opposed to Christ and they, they think that, you know, the scientific community overrides all biblical things and all biblical values. But can I just tell you that Christianity is not the enemy of science? As a matter of fact, most of the scientific ideas and thoughts came from the Christian movement as we push toward trying to understand not only God but our Creator, but trying to reason with ourselves about who and how the Scripture comes to us in a human manner. Most of that came from those ideas. Science comes from the word scientia, which means knowledge. And God is the one who's, who is the, the omniscient one who is all-knowing. So what we're doing when we're studying science is we are studying God because He's the one who knows everything. And can I just say that God has nothing to hide as you go and you open your science book? You have to just watch who's giving the bias of that science book, but understand that the truth of the universe and how everything works is coming from God. And as you study it, you're studying Him because He's omniscient and all-knowing and all knowledge comes from Him. Because of the birth of Jesus, He's impacted science in such an incredible way that it's changed how we live. Thank God that you didn't have to hook up, hook up your horse and wagon this morning to get to church. Come on, somebody. Thank the Lord you have a little thing on your wall that you can adjust that heat up just a little bit since it's got a little bit cold. Amen. Praise God. Even the insignificant things like the invention of an electric blanket makes people just all warm and cozy. How many of you have ever seen one of those? Used one? Yeah. I, 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 yeah. God has changed things because His knowledge is what He wants us to seek. And whenever you're seeking knowledge like that, you're seeking Him. College students, did you hear me? Students, when you seek knowledge, you're seeking God. So don't say, ah, this doesn't matter. Be curious. Because all of your curiosity will point you toward Him if you're honest about it. The problem is most people just don't, aren't honest. Some of your teachers aren't honest about the truth where it comes from so jesus's birth impacted the world around us through the value of life through education through science and i just give you those are just a few of the things but i want to talk just real quickly about how Jesus' birth impacted us within our world our world within us john chapter one look at it with me john chapter one verse 14 Familiar passage. It says, And the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning Him. He cries, saying, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because He was before me. John the Baptist saying that. And from the fullness of His grace, 
we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. How did he do that? Because he gave us Jesus. From the birth of Jesus, he made himself known. What was God's plan throughout all eternity to make himself known? How? Because at the fullness of time, at the perfect time, he sent his son. He sent himself to earth. That's how you think about it. God sent himself so that we, we couldn't get to him. So God sent himself to us. We couldn't bridge the gap. We couldn't cross the chasm. We couldn't understand. Our minds didn't even know to seek him. But he sent himself so that we would see him and know who he is and know who God was and know who our creator was. Two things. If Jesus had not been born, there would be no God with us. There would be no Emmanuel. No Christmas songs about God being near and God being close. You know, most of life's questions all boil down to really just a few. And one of those is, how do I know God? How do I know my Creator? How do I know why I'm here and who put me here? Those basically reduce life down to just a few questions, and those really are some of the very key questions that people ask in life. And Jesus responds in Luke chapter 10, verse 22. He says, all things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father. And notice this, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son. How do we know God? We know Him because of Jesus. If Jesus had not been born, if Jesus had not come, there would be no God near us. There would be no God with us. And that's why the Lord instructed the prophet Isaiah to write these words. He said, For the Lord himself will give you a sign. A virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. What's he saying? He's saying there's going to come a time, Isaiah was writing, there's going to come a time in history when God is going to, at the perfect moment, reveal who he completely is. We kind of have an understanding, but God is going to perfectly reveal himself to humankind, and you're going to call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God has sent himself to us. You see, if Jesus had never been born, God would never have had a face. He would never have had ears to hear. He would never have had a heart. We wouldn't understand Him, and He wouldn't understand completely what we go through. But if Jesus had not come Christmas, at Christmas time, we would have no knowledge whatsoever of what God was like, our Creator, about why we're here and why He put us here and, and how we can know Him. If Jesus had not come, we would know none of those answers. In the scripture, there's three names that are usually characterize who Jesus was. And he talks about himself. These, these three general names, there's lots of different titles for Jesus, but these are the most important. The first one, he calls himself the son of David. He's called the son of David. That's his Jewish title, Jewish name. He's, he's from the tribe of Judah, the son of David. It speaks of racial heritage of where he comes from. 
A second title that Jesus gave himself, or that he was called in the, in the Scriptures, is he's the Son of God. I mean, even the demons spoke to him one time, and they said, they said, what do you want with us, Son of God? They knew Jesus. They knew who he was. But Jesus' favorite title that he gave himself was Son of Man. Jesus spoke that of himself Numerous times, over 80 times in the New Testament, do you hear Jesus being said to be the Son of Man. What does that mean? It was His favorite designation. Son of Man is the title that's the combination of sovereignty and suffering. It's the combination of, I'm a king, but I'm going to be a kid. It's that combination where, As the Son of Man, He understands us. He's able to to identify with us. And we're able to identify with Him. Jesus got hungry like you get hungry. He got thirsty like you get thirsty. He got tired just like you get tired. He felt pressures. He felt stresses. He lost people that He loved. He saw people who were in need. He felt the the world around him that that pushed on him. He understands what it means to be betrayed, to be lied about, to be talked about. He understands all of those things. And because he understands them, we can understand him because Jesus came not just to expose himself as being sovereign, but he experienced the sufferings of us. He was the Son of Man. He experienced the limitations that you and I have in our life. He experienced the temptations that we have. The Bible says that that Jesus was tempted, but yet he fought against that temptation. He resisted it. He resisted it until, until he pushed the enemy away from him. Now, Jesus was just like you. He had temptations come to you. He had thoughts come. And what did he do? He resisted. He pushed back. He showed us how to overcome temptation. He showed us how to fight. He stood against it. But if Jesus had never been born, we would have no way to identify what God was like and, 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 he, and, and we would no way, have no way of, of, of understanding how God can identify with us. We could be praying to a, a tree out there, but a tree has no idea how to identify with me. But God gave us Himself. He became Emmanuel, God with us. If Jesus had never been born, He would not be with us. He would not be near us. He would not understand us, and we could not know Him. If Jesus had never been born, your life would would be destined to be in complete ignorance because you would not understand what God wanted from you and what you need from Him. If Jesus had never been born, there'd be no victory. And this is where I want to just spend the next few moments. There'd be no victory. You see, God's Word says that Christ died for our sin. In Isaiah chapter 53, the Scripture says that He was broken, He was bruised, He was crushed, He was wounded. All for our sins. You can read that entire, the first 12 verses of Isaiah 53 describes that all of the things that Jesus experienced in his life was not for his benefit, it was for our benefit. Over and over in the scripture, you hear the word our, our, our in Isaiah 53. Why? Because the bruises, the 
marks, the, the beatings that Jesus took was all for us. It was our sin. And had Jesus had never been born, there would be no salvation from our sin. 1 John 3, 8, that sounds very, very simple, but the truth is it's, it's very real. If Jesus had never been born, you're still in sin. 1 John 3, 8 says the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Can you imagine not having a Redeemer come to destroy the devil's work in your life? I would say most of us would not even be alive at this point. He would have destroyed our lives completely. Satan comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But Jesus came, as John says, to destroy, to dissolve the works of the devil. What are the works of the devil? He comes to destroy our minds. He comes to try to torment us in our minds and our thoughts, to push us into deep anxiety, to deep discouragement having thoughts that are just that bring depression on in your life. The enemy wants to torment you in your minds. Throughout this year, I know that many of you have had, a, have had to challenge yourself. You had to sit down and say, okay, it's going to work out. It's going to be fine. And you prayed and you've asked the Lord, Lord, give me courage. Give me strength. I know that you're going to handle this. You're in charge, oh God. I know that that was the battle that was waging inside your mind. Some of you are still fighting some of those battles. We all fight those battles all the time. It's a challenge. It's a battlefield. If Jesus had never been born, we would live in that constant battle in our mind. But because Jesus was born, He came to destroy the works of the devil so the devil can't torment your mind anymore. He breaks that off of us and we have relief from the stress and the worry and the anxiety because we can look to Him who is Emmanuel. He's God with us. He's He's our stress relief. It's Him. The devil came to destroy us morally. He came to make sin so alluring to you that you would have no recourse but to fall into it. And not only would He be destroying you, but He would allow you to destroy you as well. I've seen people destroy themselves through sin. This cycle of sin that just destroys people a day at a time. But Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. To destroy the works of the devil who seeks to challenge our morality. You see, if Jesus hadn't been born, we'd not only be destroyed, but Satan would win and he would keep us for eternity. This is really the big one. Because the Bible simply says that Jesus came and died. All humanity one day will die. There's not one person sitting in this room who's going to make it out alive unless you are alive during the time that Jesus comes. But all of us will face death at some point. Some of you have lost loved ones even this year. You've lost them recently. And it hurts. But what would you think if I were to tell you there was no hope after death? Isn't that the core of what the church is about? 
that it's not just this life, but it's what is to come. That gives me so much peace. The older I get, that gives me much peace. When you're young and you feel invincible and you feel like life is just going to last forever, and then you start waking up with knee aches and body aches and headaches, all kinds of aches, you realize things change. As a matter of fact, one of the young men in the church just this week, we were talking talking about lifting weights and he said pastor man you look you look pretty strong for your age and i said really i said well how old do you think i am he said man you he said you don't look bad for 60 and he was serious (laughs) 60 60 when he said that, I almost choked. I had some, some uh, food. And I almost choked. I was like, oh, 60. And I said, man, I'm not 60. I said, I'm 47. He said, no, no, no way. And then he said, it must be the hair. And I'm like, oh. I was like, son, it took a lot, of, a lot of suffering to get this white hair. And it only took... Three kids to lose this much hair. Sixty. I'll just have you know and everybody on the church and everybody online, I am not sixty. Thank you very much. But if I were, I would say thank God that there's hope after death. Yeah. Think about it. Many years ago, I buried my grandfather. And I could say, you know, Pipe's body just lies decaying in that cemetery out in Stonewall County, Texas. The eyes that I used to look, look into, I'll never get to look into again. That little short stubby legs that I used to watch him walk. I'll never get to walk him, watch him walk like that. I won't get to hug him. I won't get to hear his laugh. He's just out there in the middle of that cemetery. You know what? If you think of it that way, it hurts. But that's not the, really the way you think about it. Because, guess what? Jesus did come. Seth sent us some videos and at 5.30 every morning, well, every every evening, I think at, at 9 o'clock, 9 p.m. every night, he hears dun, 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 this trumpet all over the bass. Dun, 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 taps. Okay. Dun, dun, dun. Basically, that's cadets go to bed. All right, that's kind of weird. Taps, that means lights out. The day's over. The duty day is over. Then, every morning at 5.30, he hears, he said, and he, he recorded it one morning, and he sent this text and said, Dad, this is the most ungodly sound I've ever heard in my life. He said, I hate it. 
He said, if I can find the guy blowing that horn, I think I'm going to shove him into that. Some of you guys that were in the military, you know, you've heard that sound way too many times. Ray, you've heard that too many times, haven't you? You know, life is, and I got to think about that. I was like, like, your duty day's over. And do you know what happens in the life of a Christian? When taps is sounded and duty day's over, what happens to Reveille is Reveille gets moved up right there. And so just as soon as the last note of taps is played, in the life of a Christian, it's... Why? Because there is hope. Jesus has been born. For unto us a child has been born. A son has been given. The government will be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He has come and he has changed everything. We don't have to be afraid of death. We don't have to be afraid of what is coming when we close our eyes in sleep. We don't have to be afraid because Paul says it like this in the New Testament. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound. That reveille, here we go. The dead will be raised imperishable. We will be changed. And the perishable must clothe itself with imperishable. The mortal with immortality. And when the perishable has been clothed with imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. How wonderful that is. If Jesus had never been born, we would be lost in our sin and Satan would have us for eternity. But thank God that child was born. That wonderful counselor, he came and he gave us victory, not just in this life, but in the life to come. How exciting that is. The world around us has been changed by his birth. The world within us has been changed by his birth. And the world to come has been changed by his birth. How exciting. It's exciting for me as a 60-year-old to think about that. (laughs) Here's your hope for Christmas. He was born in that an obscure village, a child of a peasant woman. He grew up in another village where he worked as a carpenter shop in a carpenter shop until he was 30. And then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a family or owned a home. He didn't even go to college. He never visited a big city. He never traveled more than 200 miles from the place where he was born. He did none of the things that usually accompanies greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33 when the tide of public opinion turned against him and his friends all ran away. One of them even denied 
ever knowing him. He was turned over to his enemies and he went through the mockery of a fake trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. And while he was dying, his executioners gambled over his garments, the only property that he had on earth. When he was dead, he was laid in a tomb because he couldn't buy one. 19 centuries, 20 centuries have passed and come and gone. And today he is still the central figure in all of human history. All of the armies who have ever marched, all of the navies who have ever sailed the seas, all of the parliaments, all of the congresses that have ever sat, all of the kings or presidents or prime ministers who have ever reigned, all of them put together have not affected this world like the life of this man, Jesus. If Jesus had never been born, this world would be a much different place. But I'm here to tell you, unto us, you and I, a child has been born. And he is our Savior. He's affected everything that you know. In this modern world, everything has been touched by the gospel of Jesus. And my prayer is that your heart would be touched today by this man. Let's bow our heads this morning. Chris, won't you come? Chris. I want to just pray for you this morning. And I just want to ask a question. I know that when it gets to Christmas time, we ask a lot of questions like, what if? What if this hadn't happened this year? What if I lived in this different place? What if I hadn't have made that choice? What if I hadn't have done this or done that? What if someone else would have not done this or that? What if things were different? What if we ask all of those questions, and usually during Christmas time we ask those questions. You know, what if, what if I didn't get sick? What if... The most important question that's ever been asked is, what if I didn't know Jesus? Because that's what makes all the difference. You see, in all this life, all of those other things, those things are going to come. This life, this, this broken world, it's, it's gonna, you're going to face things like that. But my question to you today is, what if you don't know Jesus in the middle of that world that's broken and filled with all types of things? Knowing Jesus is the most important thing that you can ever do in this life. And so my question to you today is, is there anybody here who says, Pastor, I don't know him. I don't know him. If you don't know the Lord, then you are sitting in those, you're sitting in that place where I told that there is no victory for you. There's no answer after death comes. There's no, there's no God who is next and close because he's wanting to be there, but you haven't given him room. And so my question is, if you're here today and you say, I'd like to just know him today, 
I'd like for you just to raise your hand and just let me pray for you today. Is there anybody in this room who would say, Pastor, I'd like to know Jesus today. I'd like to know him. If you're watching online, I want you to just take a moment. If you don't know him or if you know someone that's there in your family who's watching online and they don't know Jesus, would you ask them, hey, do you know him? Because we need to ask that question, what if? What if I don't know this child who has been born? That's the most important question to ask. He has been born. He was born a long time ago. And the next time we see him, he won't be laying in a manger. He'll be reigning as the king who will come back for his people who know him. Let me just pray for you this morning. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your goodness. I thank you for your presence. I thank you, Lord, that today, Lord, we not only celebrate, Lord, in Christmas time, Lord, the fact, Lord, of all the traditions that we have, but we celebrate the fact that you did come, that you were born, that you are the one who has come to seek and to save that which was lost, that you are our hope, that you are our peace, that you are our counselor, that you are mighty, Lord, when the problems of life come. So, Lord, I pray that, Lord, today, that, Lord, if everyone is here in this room who knows you, I ask that, Lord, that we would just take a moment to thank you for what you have done, that your blessing, Lord, would be upon them, that your favor, Lord, would rest over them, Lord, that they would that you would turn your eyes toward them, that you would give them peace. I'd like for us just to take a moment this morning. I'd like for you just to take a few minutes and spend some time in prayer before we go and before we leave service. I'd like for our musicians to come back. Brandon, would you come? I'd like for you guys to just take a moment. Would you just allow the Lord to speak to you kind of just in a, in a sacred place here among the, in the church? You can sit there in your seat. If you want to turn in your chair, I want you to just take a moment and I want you to just pray and say, Lord, I want you to touch those who don't know you this year. Maybe you have family members who don't know Jesus. Maybe they've gotten far away from God and you need the Lord to really wake them up so that they could see that this child that was born in a manger didn't come just so that we could have a good Christmas story. He came to redeem his people, to give us victory over sin, over the works of the devil. That's why Jesus came. Would you do that? Would you just take a moment? And would you just pray for a few minutes, asking the Lord to touch those who are here, those that you know.
Thanks for listening to this message. If you were blessed by this ministry, we want to encourage you to share it. And if you don't have a church home, come join us any Sunday at 1030.